With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and you know my normal co-host, Curtis, but he is dealing with some serious allergy issues right now. I mean, he sounds bad. So I am flying solo on today's show. Curtis 100% wanted to give it a go. He was a trooper about it, but he really sounds pretty terrible right now, and that just doesn't translate well through the airwaves. So I gave him the show off, uh, but he should definitely be back once he recuperates a little bit. Be back next week to be talking some more football, taking a look at week two of spring practice. Uh, But since I'm going solo on today's show, I thought it might be a good time to try out something I've been thinking about doing for a little while here and just mix it up a little bit. You you guys know that listen to this show, obviously we spend the vast majority of our time talking about football because it is clearly one of the greatest things in the world. Maybe, I think, arguably the greatest thing in the world. Um, and perhaps, like, down here in the South, it's the key element in the fabric of our lives. It's the way we, we do things down here. And that's never going to change. You guys know that. Uh, and during the winter, you know, we mix in a little basketball conversation as well. Uh, but today, I'm going to flip the script a little bit and talk about some of the other sports that don't get as much attention as football and basketball do. Uh, I know, and look, guys, I know some of you are Georgia football only fans. Like, I get it. Like, you, you like Georgia football and you don't really care about the other sports. I get that. Uh, but I also know that there are a lot of you out there that just love the University of Georgia. If someone is wearing the G, you're all about it. And you just want us to be great at everything. And that's kind of how I am. So if you turn the show off now, if you haven't already, I get it. I Trust me, I do. I get it. But I hope you at least give it a chance and just try uh, to listen to a little talk about some of our other sports, give them a little bit of attention because we got a lot of good things going on in some of the spring sports right now. Uh, and really, like it for me, it really makes the offseason a lot more interesting and manageable as we await the return of our first love in football. Because uh, I don't know about you guys, if I didn't have something to try to like occupy my mind, I would go absolutely insane uh, waiting for the football season to arrive. I mean, some people are already starting these little countdown things. I know a lot of people love the countdown of football season. But I hate it because it just makes it seem so much further away. When you're like, hey, it's 149 days, 148 days. I'm like, oh my God, it's never going to get here. So I just like try to block days out of my mind and just try digging into something else. And before you know it, August is here. And to me, August is essentially football season. It's not, I know we're not playing games yet, but it's the run up to the season. And I, uh, I love it. But right now, we are in the middle of the spring sport calendar. So I want to take one show here, one show, uh, and sort of just recap for all of you out there how things are faring this spring for the Georgia baseball team, the men's and women's tennis team, and also the softball team. I'm not going to talk as much about softball because, honestly, that's one that I don't have as much knowledge about. But we'll definitely pay attention to them because they're having a great year right now. But before we get to all that, and again, I know some of you are thinking about that. Man, should I keep listening? Should I turn off? Just give it a shot. You know, what else you got to lose? Just Georgia sports. So uh, just give it a chance and see uh, maybe if you can find uh, – a little bit of love there for some of our other sports, but I want to make sure everyone knows you can find us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. Definitely love to hear your thoughts and everything that's going on with some of these spring sports, of course, spring practice as well. Um, I want to make sure everyone knows you can find us on a bunch of different podcasting platforms out there. Obviously, you're listening to us somewhere somehow, but um, you guys can definitely find us on dogsportsradio.com where we got started uh, a couple, man, what, three years back now. 
Uh, you can also download Dog Sports Radio app straight to your smartphone if that makes it a little easier. If you're one of those people that prefers SoundCloud and iTunes, some of the bigger platforms, you can find us there. You can also find us on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. Uh, if you get a chance, we would sincerely appreciate you guys taking just a small bit of time out of your day to rate and review the show. That would definitely help us out as we continue to try to, to grow the show. And thank you to everyone who's already done that. We do appreciate it. All right, well, let's uh, let's kick it off with some baseball because uh, – I don't know if you guys have been paying attention. I know a lot of you have, but some of you maybe not have been paying as close attention. But right now, we are off to the best start of the Scott Strickland tenure. Right now, the team is 19-6 and six and actually tied for first in the league. Like, I'm, that's not like a typo I, or a, a misstatement there. We are actually tied for first place in the SEC through the first two league series of the year. Now, there is a lot more baseball left to play, and the two teams that we have beaten uh, the two series we have taken against Alabama and South Carolina, those are two of the three worst teams in the league. So, you know, you got to put it in context there. But, hey, regardless, we are off to the, clearly the best start of the Scott Strickland tenure. Uh, we've actually won five straight SEC series dating back to the last three of the 2017 season, which is really, in my opinion, probably what allowed Scott Strickland to keep his job. If we hadn't had that strong finish in 2017, he might not be the coach right now. Uh, but last weekend, we swept South Carolina for the first time since 2008. was able to make it out there for a couple of games. Uh, great to watch the team. Uh, and just, just, it's, it really, like, if you if you get a chance to come to a baseball game, it's, it's a really fun experience. It's great. Uh, I mean, what else is going on right now? Uh, this time of year, Braves aren't playing yet. So if you get a chance, come on out, come out and cheer the team on. We've got Texas A&M at home this weekend. They're a top 15 team. So if you get a chance, bring the wife, bring the kids, bring yourself, bring friends, whatever it is, come out and watch some baseball. Um, but really, the thing about it this year that's kind of at least somewhat surprising to me is we're doing it with our offense this year, at least more so than we have in the past, because that's not something that could have been said at any previous point in the Strickland era. Don't get me wrong, the pitching's been very solid. But we're 100% doing it with uh, vastly improved play offensively. Just to give you an idea, look, throw some stats out there. Last year, just looking at last year compared to this year, last year uh, we were 13th in runs, uh, 257 overall in the SEC. We were 13th in the SEC in team batting average. We had 257 as a team last year. Awful. And it wasn't like last year was a number. That's kind of been the, the way it has been the past couple years. We were 12th in the SEC in home runs, only hitting 40 last year. We were dead last in the league in on-base percentage at 338. Also dead last in RBIs and 13th in the SEC in slugging percentage. So just abysmal numbers offensively last year. But if you look at it this year, at least through two series in the SEC in the non-conference portion of the schedule, uh, at least the majority of the non-conference, we're still playing Tech and Clemson. We've got a couple of those games coming up here in the next couple of weeks, but so far this season, we are 6th in the SEC in runs scored, up from 13th last year. Uh, up from 13th in the team batting average last year to 6th in team batting average right now in the SEC. 6th in home runs also. Uh, we were, like I said, dead last in all-base percentage last year in the SEC. We're ninth, not like significant improvement, but hey, it's better than last year. Uh, now, this is a big jump. Last year, we were dead last in RBIs. Through this point in the season, we're 4th in the league in RBIs. Look, still not fantastic numbers, but a, a dramatic improvement. Uh, and really, like our lineup up and down is pretty solid. You know, we don't. Uh, I wouldn't say we have uh, the best lineup in the world. Clearly, I mean, we're sixth in the team in batting average, or sixth in team batting average in the league. But 
we've, we've got a good solid lineup. There's not many holes in the lineup. We do have a fantastic one-two punch in the middle of the lineup with Keegan McGovern and Michael Curry. Curry has been the, the offensive MVP the past couple years. He's a junior now. He's pretty much our DH. He plays used to play catcher. we got a couple guys that rotate in there, and Curry doesn't really play much catcher anymore. Played right field against Charleston Southern on Tuesday. But it's Keegan McGovern who has taken a massive step in his senior season. He's become more than more, one of the more dangerous hitters in the league. I think as of today, he's second in the I think tied for second in the league in home runs. So this is a guy who's who's killing it. He's got 10 homers on the year. Uh, definitely one of the better hitters, at least to this point, throughout the year. So that's great. Now, uh, pitching, though, as I mentioned, has also been a little bit better this year, too. Now, in 2017, we were awful throwing the baseball. We were dead last last year. Yet again, another category, we were dead last in the SEC. We were dead last in 2017. An ERA with a 5.03 earned run average. This year, we're up to ninth in the SEC at the current time. And uh, that's all the way up to 3.69 earned run average there. So the pitching has made a pretty nice jump this year. Um, and, you know, we, we have two freshman starters on the weekends. On our Saturday, our Saturday starter is a freshman, and so is our Sunday starter. On Saturdays, we've got Emerson Hancock taking the mound. And he had a really good game against South Carolina last weekend. Got the win on Saturday. And then Ryan Webb, another true freshman, on Sunday pitched an absolute gem of a game. Webb right now, as a freshman, has got a 2.88 ERA, and Hancock's got a 3.6 ERA. Our Friday starter of late has been uh, Chase Atkins, got a 4.34 ERA, but he's also going against the, uh, in terms of win-losses, he's 2-0, but he's going against the top pitcher every weekend of, of our opponent. So he's been solid, but the, the freshmen have been really good with Webb and Hancock there. Now, if there is one area of at least slight concern, for me at least, with this uh, pitching staff, would be the bullpen. They, they're not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. I don't want to you know be alarming here and say, oh, the bullpen is just terrible. Look, the, the, we've lost a couple games because the bullpen has blown leads. We should have actually swept Alabama. We should have two sweeps. It should be six I have uh, we should be six and zero in the SEC right now. The opening game on the road against Alabama, I think we were up six one. Don't quote me on that. It was six one at one point late in that game. We end up blowing that game. Uh, goes to the extra innings. Went uh, I think like fourteen, fifteen innings, something like that. Uh, we end up losing that game, and that was kind of on the bullpen. But Friday night, uh, last week in South Carolina, the bullpen pitched uh, quite a few innings. I want to say maybe five or six innings. And uh, did an admirable job there. Held South Carolina in check. South Carolina's not very good, but they did a good job there. But it's kind of been up and down for the pin this year. We've got a couple guys in there I really like. Zach Christofax, a guy who's very short, but I really like what I've seen out of him. He's got a 2.57 ERA right now. Being short doesn't really matter. He throws a good ball. We've got another guy who's got the opposite. He's much taller, big guy. Tony Losi uh, has done a good job. He actually started the game against Charleston Southern on Tuesday. He's got a 3.74 ERA. He's only a sophomore. So is Zach Christofak. Then we got guys like Tim Elliott, Will Proctor, Kevin Smith. Smith's been struggling a little bit, uh, but it's a solid group. But if I had to look at, at one part of our pitching staff, I'd say the bullpen's probably a little more concerning to me right now than the starting pitching. Is. The starting pitching hasn't been necessarily fantastic, but I think by and large it's been better than what our relief pitching has been. But uh, definitely uh, an improvement there across the board. Offensively, defensively, pitching staff's been much better. We really had one disastrous swing uh, to Charleston. Uh, we went on like a, a five-game swing on Charleston. We had th- three a three-game set on the road at College of Charleston, then stopped by Charleston Southern, played a game, and then went to the Citadel. We lost four of those five. We got swept by the College of Charleston, 
And then we somehow end up losing the next day to Charleston Southern. Equine out against, I shouldn't say equine out, but we salvaged one game, I guess, against the Citadel uh, and get the last part of the swing. But we lose four to five there. Outside of that, we've been really good this year. Now, again, as I said earlier, it's very fair to say that the first two series we played in the league this year were against two of the worst teams in the SEC, two of the three worst teams in the league with South Carolina and Alabama. But still, even saying that, like, look, we haven't been, the past couple of years, we have not been doing this against the worst teams, like South Carolina and Alabama, over the last four years. So it's at least a step in the right direction. We are 100% about to find out just how legit this team really is because the competition level is about to pick up real quick here as our next three series are against top 12 teams in the nation. We've got Texas A&M rolling to town this week, the rate number 15. Then we got to go to Nashville to take on Vanderbilt, won the national championship a couple years back. And then uh, we'll welcome Kentucky into town the following weekend. So all three of those teams are in the top 15. So it's about to get real tough here real quick. And, and in between that, we got Tech, we got Clemson, who's a top 15 team. So we'll find out real quick if this team is is actually for real. Uh, another thing I do want to mention here real quick is that this team is actually a really young team as well. Now, I'm not going to say we don't have some upperclass. We do. Uh, we got Keegan McGovern, who's a senior. He's, probably, he's definitely been our best player throughout the year. Michael Curry, uh, probably our next best hitter, next best player. Has he's a junior right now, but we do have five freshmen and sophomores in the starting lineup. And as I mentioned a second ago, two of our top three pitchers, at least two of our weekend pitchers, uh, are freshmen, our Saturday and Sunday starters. But you know, as as good as things have been, even with this young roster, ultimately with two freshman weekend starters, let's be real, there's more than a decent chance that we will revert back to the mean, at least to a degree here especially considering our next four series are against top 15 teams. And we still have, on top of that, number two Florida and number six Arkansas on the schedule. I do two Gainesville, got Arkansas coming into town. I think it's the last series of the year. Uh, and that So that is that is brutal, guys. And look, in, uh, of those teams I just mentioned there, those six teams, if we've got four series against top 15 teams and also Florida and Arkansas, four of those, ten, uh, of those teams are top 10 teams still left on our schedule so yikes on that one but regardless of what's coming up here in the, in the coming weeks we have gotten off to about as good of a start as you can get off to in the conference portion of the schedule and, and the fact is we did what we had to do against Alabama and against South Carolina I guess and, and uh, that was that kind of followed a very solid performance outside of that swing to Charleston in the, the, the pre-conference slate which should give us some cushion here as we hit the meat of our schedule now, I, I think, if I had to say, I, I would say I think if we get to about 500 in the league or close to it, we should be able to make a regional this year, which I, I know isn't exactly where we all ultimately want to be. It's still a good, solid step in the right direction. And, and getting to 500 or right around, it's not a guaranteed regional because what we do doesn't happen in a vacuum. It depends on what other teams in the league and around us do. Uh, how they perform, but I feel pretty good saying that if we get to around 500 in conference, that we have a good shot to get to a regional, and, and if you get a regional, you never know what happens. Maybe we could uh, mess up and somehow get ourselves into a super regional, but bottom line is we're playing much better than we have at really any other point in the Scott Strickland tenure, and I'm excited to kind of see uh, how this plays out the rest of the way. Now, let's move on to men's tennis here for a second. Now, first off, uh, let let me say this. I have often said, and if you listen to the show, you know this. When I talk about t- tennis in the off season, I have often said there is no program on campus that is as consistently successful as our men's tennis program. But that's just not the case in this particular season. And I don't want to go as far as to say the wheels have come off this season. 
but it's come pretty dang close. Uh, this team has just not performed anywhere near the standard that this program has set over the past really 30-plus years. Going back to Dan McGillery starting the program, and Manny Diaz has just been killing it for essentially 30 years. I mean, we have been a consistent superpower in college tennis. And before I really get into what's going on, I do want to throw this caveat as well. Look, I am not an expert, far from it, when it comes to tennis. I watch a lot of tennis, and I go to every single home match uh, that we have men and women's. I, my wife and I would go. We watch it all. We love it. Uh, but tennis is a sport that I'll be honest with you. Uh, I don't have as much of a background as like football and basketball and baseball. Uh, I never played it growing up. I was always playing football and baseball year round. Played travel baseball. Played football. Coached football. Um, so I have much more of a background there. But once I, and I really didn't get into tennis until I was in college, and that was during the John Isner years, and kind of got dragged to a tennis match and. It, I went there and I was like, oh my God, this is, like the, this is incredible. I love this. I kind of fell in love with the sports. Fantastic. And I've, I've taught myself a lot, learned a lot, listening to people, talking to people, just watching, observing. You pick up a lot of things. So I have a solid amount of tennis, tennis knowledge, but I don't want to sit here and act like I'm some sort of expert because I'm not. But I, I love the sport. I love college tennis. It's, it's, it's incredible. So just putting that out there. Uh, looking at this team, and we're, we're kind of struggling right now. This is a team that returned every single player from a Final Four run in the NCAA tournament last year. And we really, truly came just a hair away from making it to the finals. We were up a break. The rain comes uh, on one of the courts. So it was kind of the, kind of the deciding courts. And the rain comes. Looks like we were about to, to ride the momentum to a win. Uh, that kind of puts a stall to things. We end up having to go in, indoors, play the match, in, or finish out the match inside, uh, where we promptly end up losing that match, blowing the break, uh, kind of blow that lead there. And end up losing. But we had a legitimate shot. We were right there. We could have gotten, gotten in the finals facing a, a really good Virginia team. You never know what happens when you get in a one-match game, a one match scenario like that. But we have every single player from that team back. Right? It's not the same team because it's a different year. Kirby Smart would tell you that. Uh, but every single player from last year's roster is back this year. And this is, a, again, a team that came just a hair breath away from making it to the finals. And we sit right now about halfway through the conference schedule at 9-7 and seven overall. 9-7 and seven and 2-5 and five in the SEC. And this is a program that is, again, a superpower in college tennis. We have won five straight regular season SEC titles, which is amazing. And that's truly a testament to how incredible of a coach Manny Diaz is. Manny Diaz is the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. The guy's incredible. Uh, it's also a testament to the type of talent that he consistently brings into our program. We have some great players. But that streak of five straight regular season titles, that streak's gone. Like We have no chance to get the six, uh, six straight uh, regular season title right now. It's gone. We're two and five. That's that's not happening. Now, we can improve and get better and by the end of the season, make a run to, to win the conference tournament. But the regular season title, that's not happening anymore. we got to kind of readjust our goals here. And the thing is, I've been truly baffled by what I have seen. Again, I'm not a tennis expert, so I'm already started, kind of starting from a deficit there, but I've, I've been trying to piece together what's going on, and I'm a huge Georgia tennis fan. Like I said, my wife and I go to every home match, and we actually traveled to Knoxville last season to see us win the SEC tournament title. Um, actually, right after we'd run a, run a marathon, we could barely stand up, barely walk, but we made it to Knoxville, went to Washington, it was awesome. I'm so glad we did, because we actually won. It's fantastic. But even saying that, you know, I put, I put a lot of thought into our struggles this season, but it's extremely difficult for me to explain how a team that returns literally every single player from a Final Four team, how that team is now barely over 500 halfway through the season, especially when you have a coach the caliber of Manny Diaz and players the caliber of the guys that we have. We have some really good players. Uh, and maybe the most frustrating aspect of this season, at least for me, is that 
The potential is clearly still there. It was only three short weeks ago that we knocked off number two ranked Ohio State uh, at home, and it seemed like we were about to get our season back on track after a, a shaky start to conference play. You know, we lose to Florida, which is no, there's no shame in that. Florida's a good team. We lost on the road to the Gators, but somehow we ended up losing to South Carolina on the road. That the next, the next match, that, that was tough, and so that was kind of a rough start. But it was like, okay, we we beat Ohio State, we got our mojo back, got off to a rough start, but now we're about to get on a roll. But that just hasn't transpired. It hasn't happened. And the thing is, like, also, we're not just losing to good teams. If we were just losing the likes of Florida and Texas A&M, who are two very good college tennis programs, I could handle it. I, could, I, I wouldn't love it, but it's understandable. I can understand us losing to Florida and A&M. Like, that's, that's respectable. But we're losing to teams that the University of Georgia tennis program just simply has no business ever losing to. I mean, we're talking about the likes of South Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas tennis. Like, no. We are on another level than those tennis programs. Like that's just that that shouldn't happen. So it's just hard for me to explain. Uh, but I guess in trying to explain it, I think you have to look at injuries and attrition, and that's clearly a big part of the explanation. Uh, a guy named Paul Oosterbond, who was a redshirt senior coming into the year, was fighting back from a very tough wrist injury that kept him out essentially all of last year. And he was a guy that played court three singles versus a sophomore, and he, and he looked so good that season that I realistically thought that he would contend for court one as a junior. And for those of you who aren't familiar with how college tennis works, court one is typically reserved for your best singles player, like your John Isner types. Uh, not always the case. Usually it's like court one is typically your best player in singles. Court two is your next best player, three, four, and so on and so forth. Uh, now, sometimes it's a little different. You want to move guys around for strategic for strategic purposes, but typically your best player is on court one. So I thought Paul could be that guy for us as a junior. But then the injury happens. 100% stunted his development, and he was just never able to capitalize on the promise he showed as a sophomore. And then uh, early in the conference late, so Paul's back as a, as a, as a uh, redshirt senior, uh, but early in the conference slate, we get word that Paul has left the program to pursue professional opportunities. Uh, I don't know exactly what went down there, but I have to believe there's clearly more to the story as players just don't randomly leave their team in the middle of the season to pursue professional opportunities. It just doesn't happen like that. Look, and I don't have any inside information. I don't really know what's, what happened, how that went down. Uh, so this is just pure speculation. But if I had to guess, I imagine something like this. Look, Paul was probably not happy with his role. Uh, after all, this was a guy who I said like, you know, was a really good player for us his freshman and sophomore year, especially his sophomore year. I thought he was poised to become a big-time player for us. Um, he's out for basically a year, more or less. Uh, and then he comes back as a senior, and he's kind of in and out of the lineup at court three doubles and court six singles. And for a guy that once showed so much promise and had such a bright future, that had to be tough to stomach. Like, how do you handle that? has got to be tough when you're, when you're not even in the in the, the singles rotation or singles lineup every single match. And that, that's tough for a guy that was so close to kind of breaking through. So I, had, I imagine it had something to do with that frustration. And then, you know, uh, I could see that that frustration kind of boiling over at some point. I mean, I don't know. I'm just kind of like spitballing here, but don't exactly know how it went down. But I imagine it's probably something like that. But regardless of how it went down and whatever happened, Paul Usterman is gone, and what that did is that reduced our margin for error with other injuries because with Usterman there, we always had at least one extra guy in the event of an injury that could fill in very well when needed, whether it was Paul or whether it was sophomore Robert Loeb, who Usterman was kind of rotating with at court six. So Loeb played all 
court six for us as a freshman last year, almost all year, because Paul was was injured for the vast majority of the year. So they, they were kind of rotating at court six singles. So if one of those, if we had an injury, everybody move up a court, and then you just put Paul, you put Loeb in there, and we're all good. Uh, but Ustaban leaves, and then what happens? Of course. Obviously, the injury bug hits the team. First, it was Emil Reinberg, who's now playing court one singles for us. So clearly, one of our better singles players, a very good player. I think he hurt his ankle. You know, we don't get a ton of information. They don't really, really release that stuff. There's not much media coverage of tennis. But from what I could tell, going to the next match, I saw him play. He had a, an ankle brace on, so I imagine that he hurt his ankle. At least appeared to be his ankle. And he didn't play at South Carolina. Which what that means is everyone moved up a court, and we had to then insert a seldom used player who is not normally part of the rotation at all in at court six. And lo and behold, the match comes down to court six. And, of course, we end up losing that court. And ultimately, the match, 4-3-2. Like, look, I mean, it's South Carolina. Very average South Carolina team. They're not that good. We should never lose to them. Uh, and then, after we get Emil Reinberg back, which is great. Getting Emil back, we seem like we're healthy. It's all good. Maybe we can get back on track here. But then our, our court four singles player, and actually our highest-ranked singles player, Junior Walker Duncan, he hurt his back. Uh, and he's been out the last two matches. And and again, Sunday's match against another average opponent that we never lose to in Tennessee. I don't remember the last time we lost to Tennessee. It's not really since I've been following. I've been following closely for years. Um, of course, that match in Tennessee at home this time comes down to court six with a guy that, that a very seldom used player really doesn't play. He's not part of the rotation. He played his butt off as well as he could, but we, we lose that court and we lose again 4-3 yet again. And uh, I do want to pause here just for a brief second to give some major props to Walker Duncan now that I mentioned him. I want to tweet this out when I when I watched the match, but I knew most of you were like, Walker Duncan, who's this person? Because a lot of you probably don't pay attention to tennis. But the last singles match that Walker played, it was two weekends ago against a top 10 Texas A&M team. And Walker's back was clearly killing him from the get-go. I mean, it was so bad he could hardly stand up at times. But he was an absolute warrior. He knew we needed him against a top 10 opponent. He knew we needed him, especially after we dropped some uh, some matches early uh, in, the, in the season that we had no business losing. He wanted to go out and get that win for us on court four and do his part to help us. He got a win against a top 10 opponent. And Walker loses the first set. I mean, you can see the back was really affecting him. And my wife and I were at the, the, the women's match the, the day before on Saturday. We saw him just stretching for like, like half that match, like for 30 minutes or so. I'm, I'm, I'm off and on, but stretching a lot. And he's stretching his back. Like, what's going on there? We didn't quite know what was going on. You get to the next match, and it makes sense. As a guy can barely move, he's, he's holding his back, clutching his back, and he's having a really tough time. Loses the first set, and then he's down 5-1 in the second set after losing that first set. It looked like he was done. It was a done deal. Walker was going to lose. We were going to lose the match. Walker was down two breaks with a bum back. There's no way he's coming back, right? Uh, not so fast, my friend. Walker gritted his teeth, and he fought like a freaking madman to come back and take the second set. And it looked like he was about to get that third set too and take the entire match. But his back just failed him late in the match. And he got broken late, ended up losing a ridiculously hard-fought match. But I just want to stop there. Even though he lost the match, I don't care about that. I want to give some props here on this show for that effort by Walker Duncan because that was unbelievable, man. Absolutely unbelievable. I already loved Walker. He's one of my favorite players out there. I love the way he plays. I love his, his passion for the game, the energy he brings to the table. But that effort just completely took my respect for Walker to an entirely different level. To me, that is the definition of a damn good dog. So Walker Duncan is going to be a DGD in my book going down forever. No doubt about that. 
Uh, and this brings up another point. It's like, look, I know we all pay attention. Obviously, media coverage covers football and basketball and even baseball more than does the other sports. Other sports get scarce coverage if they get any coverage at all. And look, we all love football. I love football more than anything. It's, it's incredible. It's like, it's like my favorite thing in the world, obviously, if you listen to this show. But just because you don't play football, you play tennis, you, you're a swimmer, or you play softball, whatever it is, doesn't mean you don't put in the same level of blood, sweat, and tears that the guys on the on the gridiron, the guys on the basketball court, doing the hardwood there. These guys put it out their line, and Walker is a perfect example of that, especially in that match against Texas A&M. So injuries are clearly a part of it. But it's more than just that. Look, we have really, really good players. All right, We're the University of Georgia. The guys that we have are here for a reason because they're really good. But the one thing I think we are truly lacking, and it shows up against the better competition, is a true dominant number one singles player. I think we have guys that can grow into that, uh, but they're not quite there right now. And part of that, I think, goes back to the the Paul Oosterbond situation. I really think we were hoping after his sophomore year that he would grow into that player for us on court one, that dominant court one player that's that's competitive game, match in and match out on that court. But clearly those plans got derailed after his injury. And then a few years back, I want to say it was like two years ago, we had a guy named Tommy Paul that was committed. He was on our commit list. If I remember if I remember correctly, he was number he was the number one player in the country coming out of high school, at least in the top three. Big time player. But he ultimately decided he was such a big time player, he ultimately decided to skip college and begin his professional career right after right after high school. So clearly a guy of that caliber could be playing court one for us. You never know what's gonna happen once they get on campus, but I have to imagine when you recruit a guy of that caliber that you are at least cautiously optimistic that he will eventually grow into that, a dominant force on court one. But whatever the reason is, like we just on court one, we don't have that guy right now. Senior Wayne Montgomery, who's an awesome player. He's basically been playing court one and court two for us, going back and forth since he was a freshman here. He's from uh, Somerset, West South Africa. Uh, and he started out the outdoor season uh, this season as a senior on court one. Performed admirably there early on. Uh, had a nice win against Tech, and in, in, in the uh, also in the uh, he, he played well in the national indoors. Did a good job there, at least the qualifying. But he just could not break through against other teams' best player on a consistent basis. Once we got to the outdoor season, and after a rough start to the season, Coach Diaz did what he does, and he he made, he made a bold move. He switched up the lineups a little bit, and he gave Junior Emil Reinberg a shot at court number one. And I, I'll give Emil credit, man. Like he played he played great. A couple weekends ago, at home against Texas A&M, he defeated Texas A&M's number one singles player. Uh, but after that, he's only one in three in completed matches since taking over a court one. That was his only win was against A&M, which was a great win. And the guy he beat is awesome. They beat. Some of you might have seen this if you don't follow college tennis that much. Uh, he was the guy you might see this on Sports Center, on SEC Network, or whatever. Where after the match against Ohio State, he spits in his hand before he goes to shake the hand of the of his opponent after the match. Just a complete punk move. So it was awesome to see Emil take that dude out. And Emil's a really good player. He's a guy that I have a lot of respect for because he was not even in the singles rotation as a freshman. He he played. Not, I think it was. I'm pre- pretty sure if I remember correctly, it was, it was not court three doubles. But he didn't play a singles as a freshman. He was not in our our, our rotation there. But or our lineup, I guess I should say. But he worked his tail off in the offseason heading into his sophomore year and became a valuable fixture for us at court three last year. And then he had another great summer last year, and he made another big jump. I mean, last summer he played in, a, he played in the finals. He made it to the finals of a couple of pro tournaments. Uh, but as good as he's gotten and as much as he's improved, I'm just not sure he's quite ready to win at a high level on court one. I think he can maybe grow into that uh, if he keeps improving the, at the rate he has improved. But I don't know if he's quite there yet. So... 
whoever it is and whatever the issue has been on court one, whoever's been playing there, it's just been a struggle because right now we are one in five, one in five at court one in SEC play in, in completed matches based on my, uh, my the numbers I looked up. And that's definitely an issue because with stats like that, when you're one in five in completed matches on court one, you kind of almost count court one as a loss going into every match. At least with how it's been going to this point, you kind of you kind of go and think, well, you're probably, you know, as a fan at least, you're probably gonna lose court one, and that kind of puts you behind the eight ball from the get go. Um, look, the guys, I, I hate saying that because like I, I love these guys. They, they go out there and they work their tails off, they compete like crazy, uh, they fight, but it's just been a struggle for us there, and I, I think that's part of the issue that we're facing this year. We were also struggling in doubles to start SEC play. I mean, we lost a doubles point each of our first three conference matches. wasn't a good look at all. But again, Coach Diaz, the greatest of all time, he made some bold change to the doubles lineup. And it's paid off because we've won the doubles point in each of our last four matches since those ch- changes. And and those and some of them were big changes. Manny actually broke up our number one doubles team, uh, who was actually in the finals of the doubles national championship last year. Same group, Robert Lowe and Jan Zielinski. Broke them up, kept Jan on court one, moved Robert over to court three. And uh, that's why Manny's the best there is. Like, how many coaches are going to break up a number one double, something like that. Who has the, the guts to do that? Uh, but Manny did it, and it worked out for the best for us. He saw something, and, it, and it's really worked out to this point. I mean, most coaches would never dare break a, a, a double team that's been that successful. So the doubles issues have seemingly been worked out, but the injuries and the struggles on court one, they're still lingering. They're still hurting us. But saying all of that and kind of laying out this dire look of the season, uh, while things obviously don't look great right now, I still believe in this team. Uh, the potential is clearly there, as evidenced by that win over Ohio State, and really also the fact that these same players were in the Final Four last year. These guys can play. They're really good players. I believe in Manny Diaz, and I really think he will right this ship, and I believe in our guys, too. Once we get healthy and get some confidence back, I mean, it's hard to imagine that the confidence has not been shot to a degree, it has, been not, has not been damaged. You have to think it has been. But I trust Manny to help him get the confidence back, and if we get some wins under our belt here, we get rolling. I think we have a really good chance to finish strong. Uh, and look, the meat of our schedule, we, got, we already have Florida behind us, got Texas A&M behind us. I've got a big match against Mississippi State coming up on Friday, which is another huge match, a top 12 opponent. I've got Ohio State behind us. But I really think that we can finish strong. And once we get into the SEC tournament, there's absolutely zero doubt in my mind that if we get healthy, we can beat absolutely anybody in this league. And I wouldn't be shocked to see this team win the conference tournament. I wouldn't be shocked to see that at all. Uh, and like I said a second ago, we do have a big home match this weekend. Uh, Friday against Mississippi State. They are ranked 12th in the country. They actually have the number three ranked singles player as well. Uh, dude's really good. Saw him last year at the SEC Championships up in Knoxville. Uh, he beat Nate Ponwith, uh on court one last year in that in that match in the SEC tournament. If you have never been, and I, I know I always say this, or at least when we talk about tennis, but I'll say it again. If you have never been out to a match, this would be a great one for you to get your first taste of SEC tennis. Uh, I mentioned like when I, I first got into tennis, uh, I w- or UGA tennis, I was in college. I never played the sport, really knew nothing about it, but I was instantly hooked, just going to one match. Uh, so glad I went. Now my wife and I, like we love uh, my wife actually. I mean, she likes it probably more than football. She loves Georgia football too, but she loves her some some college tennis, and I love it too. So Friday's match could be a, a great opportunity to come out and, and check the team out, cheer them on, bring the fan, bring the wife, bring the kids, bring the friends, bring yourself, whoever. But it'd be a great chance to come out. Because uh, this really could be the beginning of this team turning it around this year. And we really need this win to help propel us back into the top 16 so that we can host a regional. The way college tennis works, the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, uh, the round of 64 and the round of 32, are held on campus sites. 
uh, in the top 16 teams, the teams that get to host a regional. Right now, we're ranked 20th. We've been in the top 16 for mo- pretty much all year, but now we're ranked 20th after, after a couple of just bad losses. No getting around just bad losses, teams that we shouldn't have lost to. But if we get a win like this against Mississippi State and finish strong, we can get back in that top 16 and host a regional like we do just about each and every year. It'd be really weird if <laughs> we're in a regional and it's not here in Athens. It'd be crazy. Uh, but there you go. That's the men's tennis conversation. Now let's transition real quickly to some women's tennis talk. And look, guys, I know a lot of you don't care about tennis at all. And you especially don't care about women's tennis. And that's totally your prerogative. I get it, okay? But the thing is, I do care, all right? Uh, and I know that there are others out there that do too. Honestly, if you wear, for me, if you wear the G, then you have my attention. You have my support. So I want to take a few minutes and show some love to our women's tennis team as well. Uh, the ladies have been ranked inside the top 10 pretty much all season. Now, we did lose last weekend to number three, Vanderbilt, on the road. So we currently sit at number nine nationally, which is still very, very good, obviously. Uh, and while we have been struggling on court one on the men's side, that hasn't really been the case for the women. We've got a freshman, Katarina Jokic from Bosnia. She's been playing court one for us all year, at least since the turn of the new year. Uh, and she's been a beast there. I mean, she has been ranked as high as number two nationally in singles. And she was there for a couple weeks. And she's now currently number six in the country. And she is a super talented young lady. She's got a vicious backhand, is really athletic, and just hit some amazing shots. And she can get to a lot of shots, too, with her, with her athleticism. And, you know, again, I'm not a tennis expert, but when watching her, when she struggles, it appears to me that it isn't so much about the opponent, like, doing things to hurt her. It's really just more about her. When she struggles, what I mean by that is, like, it's her. It's about her making unforced errors. It's not that her opponents are forcing it into the air. It's like, she'll have an easy forehand, just smack it in the net sometimes, or she'll hit her backhand and kind of airmail it, or forehand and airmail it. Uh, so it's not really necessarily about the opponent hitting winners and being more talented when she struggles. It's it's about her just making some mistakes that she that she won't make as she grows older. I mean, look, she's a freshman, and as talented as she is, freshmen make mistakes like that from time to time. But the bottom line is, Cat uh, is really, really good and gives us a chance every time out on court one. And she's only going to get better. I mean, she is a true freshman, okay? And she's already as, as you know, what, I don't want to say as good as we've had, but I mean, I don't go that far. But she's really, really good. And she's just going to get so much better as she continues to play and get more accustomed to the college game here. And then on court two, we have a senior, Kennedy Schaefer, who's been such a steady presence for us for years. And she's a she's a, a young lady who's gotten better and better every single year we've watched her play. As a sophomore, she played court two. She went to court three last year. Had another freshman um, come in and kind of took that spot. But Kennedy's fought back, and she's got that number two court back. And she really has some serious game, man. She really does. Uh, and she seems to have so much fun out there. So it's a pleasure to watch her play. She's she's got a great like fiery competitive spirit about her. Uh, has a lot of fun out there. Uh, talks to her, makes some really like fun, just ridiculously funny faces. Man, her expression out there is hilarious. Uh, but anyway, like she's a really good player. We have another senior on court five, Mariana Gould, who's another young lady who's gotten better and better year after year. She's playing court six. Uh, past couple years, she moved, she's been playing actually court four for the past couple weeks because we had an injury to our our regular court four player, Marta. Gonzalez, uh, but Marta's back and Mariana's uh, settled in at court five, and she's been a, a really valuable player for. Her. She's been playing really well, like, as good a tennis as she's played since she's been here in Athens. So she's been great for us of late. Um, but outside of those two, Kennedy and Mariana, we have two sophomores and two freshmen playing in our other four single spots. We got sophomore El- Elena 
Uh, Christophe from that other Athens over in Greece. Uh, she's playing court three. She played court two last year. She kind of got off to a rough start this season. She's playing court three right now. She's actually playing court four for a little while, but worked her way up back to court three. And she's really kind of starting to put it together. Uh, she played court two, like I said last year. A really talented player. Then we have another sophomore, Marta Gonzalez, who's been injured for a couple of weeks now, but she's playing court four. And uh, then we have freshman Morgan Kopic on court six. So this is really a young team that has a very bright future ahead of them. And the ladies beat Florida early in the year, which has been somewhat of an issue for us last couple of years. And you know, Florida's kind of been uh, a pain for us. They've beaten us the past couple of years. We lost. We did lose to Vandy in Nashville last weekend. But, like, I mean, Vandy's really good. So that's nothing to be ashamed of whatsoever. Uh, and while this is a young team, it's also a very strong team at all courts. And if we bring our A game, we are good enough to be anyone in the country. There's no doubt about it. So Coach Jeff Wallace and company really had the ability to make some noise in the postseason this year. I kind of had an early exit last year, a lot earlier than I thought we'd go. I thought we were set up for a nice run last year, but uh, had, a, had a rough match. I think it was in the the, the third round, I want to say. Uh, it was the round of 16, and... Uh, I'm sure that put a little sour taste in their mouth. So I imagine they want to get back and actually make a nice run this year. And it's, gonna be, it's just going to be fun to watch how the rest of the season plays out. I think they've got a lot of talented players and really make some noise once we get into the postseason. And uh, now I want to wrap it up here real quick with a short little bit about softball. Uh, so I'm not an expert on tennis. I love tennis. No good amount, a good amount about tennis, but I'm certainly not an expert. But I will be the first to admit that softball is one of those sports that I'm just really not altogether that knowledgeable of. I do keep track of how the team is doing, and you always check up if they're winning or they're losing. But I certainly do not follow as close as I do some of the other sports. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I do. But I, I, I have paid enough attention to notice that the, the softball team is just killing it this year. And they deserve some love as well. They just had a 25-game winning streak snap two weekends ago. But still in the process of that, we managed to take two out of three from number two, Florida. Right now, the softball team sits at 29-3 and overall. I mean, 29-3, and that's crazy. And we're ranked 7th nationally. So this team is clearly getting the job done. It looks like they will be in contention for a spot in the Women's College World Series for the second time in the last three years. All right, so definitely, guys, uh, you know, I know that's not football. I know it's not basketball. But these, these, these players, these guys, these girls, they put as much time, as much effort, much sweat and blood into what they do as our football players and our, ba- and our basketball players do. So I just definitely wanted to take a, at least one show here, throw them some love. I know it's kind of like, you know, this this episode is kind of like if you watch, uh, you have your favorite show, and then, like, you know, one episode's like one of those, it's like, it's like totally random episodes. It's like, like, where did that come from? It's like The Walking Dead. If you watch The Walking Dead, like, a couple of seasons ago, you have that just, like, random episode about Tara going to, like, the land of women. And it's like, okay, where in the world did this come from? Kind of distracting from what you normally do. And then you get back to your regularly scheduled programming. So I definitely want to throw some love to uh, our tennis programs, softball program, baseball programs. That No one really talks about these programs as much. Baseball gets some love, but tennis and softball, not so much. So I wanted to, to kind of update everyone on, on how the spring sports are going right now. We've got a lot of big-time things going on, a lot of teams that are performing very, very well. And the men's tennis team, while it hasn't been great so far, I imagine we'll get back on track here shortly. It's just we're too talented and have too good of a coach not to. But we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming here, talking some football, some spring practice next week. Once we have Curtis back, we'll be taking a look at week two of spring practice, all the storylines and developments. So make sure to check back with us then. But I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening, guys. At least those of you who stuck it out with me. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>